0: Not always your plan uh, we talked about how that God's will is never impure so you're never going to stumble into God's will in an impure life um, and so and then a few other things from Psalm chapter number 37 and today what I want to do is really just almost paint a picture for you um, I actually taught this or preached this at junior high fall retreat and um, I wasn't planning on doing this uh, this early in the series but uh, the longer that I kind of was, was there uh, over the weekend studying for them and then thinking of what we were going to do on Sunday, I felt it appropriate, and I don't know that I've ever shared this uh, necessarily with our class. And so Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to read down through the first 11 verses, and I know that like when we get to verse 11, that's one of the ones where everybody uh, wants it on a t-shirt or they want it in the froth of their coffee and, uh, and all that, So, um, but don't miss the point behind verse number 11. In fact, sometimes I think that we Christianity, one of the things that we have done is we've taken verses like verse number 11, and they are powerful, and they are good, and we love the words, and it makes us feel all cozy and warm about God. And so we put it on all these t-shirts, and we, we put it in these cool little scripty writings and stuff, and we don't really understand that the first 10 verses of that, love, or prior to that verse, make it even more powerful and so sometimes isolating a verse uh, tends to come back and bite us. And so Jeremiah chapter number 29 is where we're going to be um, reading down through verse number 11. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. Verse number 1 kind of sets the, or verse number 1 really down through verse number 3, kind of sets the context for this. But it says this it says, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders, which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he's writing this to his people, that are in captivity. They've been taken away. He's writing them to a group. He's writing it to uh, a group of people. They're in Babylon, in verse number two, it says, after that Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elisha the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah of Judah sent unto Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, which, by the way, if you ever want to know what makes a speaker or preacher or teacher nervous, it's verses like that. Um, When you have to read those out loud, I can read them a hundred times in my study and think, man, i got this nailed, and then all of a sudden you have... 20 eyeballs or 100 eyeballs looking at you and you try to say Gemariah of Hilkiah whom Zedekiah king of Judah you try saying that it's almost like some demented tongue twister I think sometimes God sits up in heaven and laughs at hearing us read those but um, verse number 4 thus saith the Lord of hosts the God of Israel unto all that are carried away captives whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon there's an interesting phrase there. He says, whom I have caused to be carried away. Then he says, verse number five, build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city "...whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord." That after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected and would you go back up and would you read verse number seven with me out loud and then we'll read verse number 11 out loud together. Verse number seven says this. Let's read it out loud together. And seek the peace of the city, whether I cause you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. There's a, that is a, such a cool phrase, for in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. Let's read verse number 11 out loud together, ready, begin. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Let's pray and then we'll look at lesson number three, the God of the will. The God of the will. Let's pray. Bless the Lord to bless us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for... Uh, Really just you being a God who not only has a will for us, but Lord, you are a God whom we should be able to trust because we know you. And so, Lord, I pray that today as I paint this picture for these people and for, the, for this group that I love, and Lord, that we've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with, Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, you know that today um, I am tired. Lord, they are tired. Lord, uh, we are weak, but we know that in our weakness you often show your strength so we ask that you would do that even today, pray that you would guide my lips or guide my tongue to say that which you would have me to say in your name we pray. Amen. How many of you, you ever have maybe bought something or you have maybe even bought something from someone, maybe a Facebook marketplace deal or something like that. Um, or let go, or whatever the, the those all those places you can sell stuff. Craigslist, all right. You bought something and you get it home and you feel like that you got ripped off. Anybody been there, all right? But maybe the more extreme example of that is how many of you have ever bought something from an as seen on TV commercial? Huh? Yeah, man, those things will get you, won't they? Like they look so cool in the commercial when the person is like flipping the omelet in the pan and like they're getting so frustrated with the old pan like oh my goodness why do I even make omelets like they're just doubting their whole life like like here they are just trying to have an omelet and they can't do it but then this magical as seen on tv thing that basically makes the omelet for you comes along and then you get it and it's like this is not the way that it looked in the picture all right so you get something like that. Yeah, everybody's been ripped off in life. We all feel like that at certain points, maybe whether you bought something from someone or you bought something off TV or you bought something that someone else recommended or you bought something that had 51,000 five-star Amazon reviews and then you get it and you were the one-star review, okay? Um, we all feel like that we've gotten short-changed at times in our life. And you know, sometimes we come at that the same way with God. We assume that if we fully commit to knowing God and who He is, that we're going to experience a letdown. That there's no way that He could possibly be as good as what someone says that He is. And so like our personality and like humanity, we almost never commit, all right? Sometimes if you've ever maybe been on like a, a field trip or I think we even went on a, one of the places we went ziplining with Crosspoint a couple years ago, they had one of those bridges that was a rope bridge, okay? Have you ever seen someone walk across those and they feel like that they can't put their whole weight down on it? Okay? Like well I'm not good i want gonna walk across, but I'm not going to fully commit to it. I'm gonna tiptoe across the, the rope bridge. Like like then if you're tiptoeing in and it falls, it's not going to hurt you just as bad. Okay? We don't ever fully commit. And sometimes with God, what we think and what we maybe hear other people talk about, or we hear great men of God talk about, or maybe even we look in the Word of God and we see some of the things that He's done, and who He is, and some of, the, some of His works, and we think, well, that's great for them, but there's no way that He's actually as good as what I think that He could be. And so what we end up doing is that because we doubt God, we also doubt His will. I want to say that again, okay? Because we doubt God, we also doubt His will. And the main idea there in your notes alludes to this. It basically tells us how that if we are going to trust the will of God, what we must first do is be able to trust God Himself. And so many times what we do as Christians and as human beings is that we can never fully commit to the will of God because we don't want to fully commit to the God of the will. We don't want to completely say, well, I think that God is able to do this. I, I trust God with my life, and, or I'm going to withhold maybe this portion of my life. And so we never fully commit to the will of God because we can't fully commit to the God of the will. And let me just say this, that if you are going to trust the will of God in your life as a Christian, as a human being then you must be also ready to say that I trust the God of the will. And so in Jeremiah chapter number 29, here's what you see. You see God's people not in an ideal circumstance at all. They've been placed in captivity. They've been taken away from their homes. They've been taken away from their families. They've been taken away from what they know. And we often run to verse number 11, and we isolate it, and there's a lot of great truth in it. But what we often miss is this, is that there's 10 verses ahead of that that actually show even more so how good God is. And So I want to give you three thoughts today, just straight out of this passage. This is obviously not exhaustive, but here's what my goal is. My goal is to paint this picture of God for you. I believe that one of the many things that we have failed to do in Christian circles is this we've failed to teach the power of a relationship with God now not the cozy warm fuzzy relationship that sometimes we paint to where we can go party with party with people on Saturday night and do whatever we want to do and then show up on Sunday and I'm gonna lift my hands up and worship God because we have a relationship with God that's not the relationship I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the relationship like what the disciples have. The relationship like what John talks about when he writes back to the church of Ephesus. And he says, this is what I want you to experience for yourself. He says, I knew Jesus. I knew God himself. God incarnate face to face. And you can do that and experience that same feeling. Just the same as I did in your life. But what we so often miss is because we don't know God... We often also do not know His will. Because we can't wrap our minds around this big God, because we've maybe never seen Him work personally in our lives, because we've never seen Him answer prayers in our lives, because maybe we don't understand how to deal with difficulty, we don't understand how to deal with hard times, then what we end up doing is we make an accusation toward God and we're basically making an accusation to someone that we don't know. And so the things that I'm going to give you today, really the three thoughts out of this passage about God, once again, they are not exhausted, but I believe that they paint a picture for just how good of a God you serve. And so the first thing that I want you to see is this, that God is a God of plans. God is a God of plans. I want you to look down at verse number four. He says this, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. He says, here's the plan. Build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished." You see, sometimes when we don't understand or see God's plan, we assume that that means there's not one, don't we? When we don't see it, when we can't wrap our finite minds around it, when we can't understand it, well, we assume that, well, I guess that means God doesn't have a plan. And God speaks to these people in their captivity and he says, I know you've been taken away from Jerusalem. I know that right now you're probably wondering, what should we do? There's probably some in that group that they were getting ready to to create an uprising, Say, well, let's, let's try to fight back. And God very clearly says, he goes, here's what I want you to do. My plan is this. My plan is that you plant gardens, that you build houses, that you get married, that you have children, and that you do what you would have done in Jerusalem all along. Because I have a plan. Now, plan shows up in verse number 10. I want you to skip down and look at it. Why wouldn't he say that? Verse number 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Here's what God was saying. He says, I've caused you to go into captivity. But I'm not putting you there to die. In fact, look at verse number 6. He says that ye may be increased there and not diminished. That ye may be increased there and not diminished. Can I give you maybe the realest world application that we've ever given in this class before? For where you're at right now as a young adult. Let's Let's just shoot straight for... 2 minutes, can I? I think that we all understand that the world is not right. Okay, for lack of a better term, right? And then we see preachers and even our church here saying, you know what? This could be the this could be the end. Let's let's prepare for Christ coming. Let's do all of that. Well, let's let's make sure that we're ready to meet Jesus and I think that that is 100% accurate. But can I just maybe Read your, read, not everybody's mind, but can I just maybe read your mind for for 30 seconds? With that often comes the question, so if I'm getting ready for Christ to return, should I date? Should I marry? We actually have had multiple things come into our church, multiple people or emails or phone calls of people saying, you know what, I feel like that Jesus is coming back any day. Should I buy a house? Should I, which... Like, I don't know why they're asking us that, or like, yeah, sure, go for it. Like, I mean, well, I don't know what, yeah, go for it. Here we go. This is the mortgage rate that we have, or whatever. I don't know what they're at, why they're asking. It, okay, but should I have kids? Should I, should I do all this? Should I even live my life if this is what I'm facing? If this is what's getting ready to happen? I think that chapter number twenty-nine is as close as what you're going to get to living in today's society. And I don't know that God wants us to put a pause on life because here's why. Lauren and I have talked about this even with our own kids. Unfortunately, the people of Israel and the people of Judah, when they were taken into captivity, God never, in any part of Scripture, gave them the option of reversing the captivity by changing their circumstances and who had taken them captive. He didn't say, go into Babylon and make Babylon Israel. Go into Babylon and make them my people. Because the truth is, is that I don't know that Babylon would have even succumbed to that. Okay. He didn't say, change the place. He said, you change yourself and be ready for what I have of you. And it's interesting to me that he says this. That ye may be increased there and not diminished. Some of you right now, you may never reach another lost person, but I want you to listen to this. You can grow and disciple your relationship with your spouse or your future spouse one of these days. That you may be increased there and not diminished. You, you, You may never... Get some of your co-workers to come to church with you. But you know what you can do? One of these days when you have kids, you can make sure that they're growing in Jesus Christ and that they are becoming followers of God. And sometimes what we do is we live in such an all-or-nothing society. Well, I guess if if Jesus is coming back, then I'll just stay single. I won't date. I won't do this. I won't have kids. I won't... God is preparing his people for something, and I wish I was smart enough to tell you what it was. But here's what I believe that we will miss out on if we don't take our Christian life seriously is that we will miss out on the increase. And rather than seeing this world as an opportunity for us to grow and for us to reach our own families and to maybe involve ourselves with our spouses a little bit more and be faithful to our church and to reach as many people as we have, we will take the captivity of this culture. We will take all of the things that we are facing and we will be diminished rather than increase. And my prayer for you as young adults is this. Is that as the world gets worse, that you would increase and not diminish. Because that's God's plan. That's God's will. That's what God desires of you. God desires that you be increased and not diminished in difficult times. So first of all, God is a God of plans. But then notice secondly, that God is a God of peace. God is a God of peace. Look at verse number 7. He says, And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. Can I just encourage you with this? That if you're not already praying for the peace of your work environment, you need to start. If you're not already praying for the peace of our country and of our state, of maybe some of the government things that are going on, if you're not already praying for that peace, you need to start because here's why. Peace in the city, as he calls it, as God refers to it, or peace in the geographical location that you're in, brings you peace. And God's desire is this. God's desire is that we would have the peace of God in the midst of maybe some unsuccessful and some, un, some maybe a lack of good place, like a lack of being in the right place, God desires that we would experience peace in that. God desires that even though we aren't where we want to be, that we can be where we need to be because we have his peace. And so God is a God of peace, meaning this. There will be times in your life to where following the will of God will lead you into a place where you think, Man, this is not what I bargained for. That's exactly where these people were. This is not what I... Captivity? If I had not know we were signing up for captivity, I would not have put my name on the dotted line. Sometimes God's will brings you to a place that you do not want to be... Sometimes it brings you to a place in marriage or sometimes it brings you into a place in dating or brings you into a place in in, in your job or your work situation where you think this is not what I signed up for. And in the midst of that, what God says is seek the peace. Where's peace found? Where, Where is my peace in the midst of this? And peace is found as we cling to God in the midst of unpeaceful situations. I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times before the end of my life, is that peace is not found in the absence of difficult times, but in the presence of God. Too many times as Christians we want God to remove the difficulty rather than finding God in the midst of difficulty. And so what we are called to do as Christians is seek the peace. Why? Because in the midst of the peace, we will experience the peace thereof. So God is a God of peace. But then lastly, I want you to notice this, is that God is a God of perfection. God is a God of perfection. Obviously, verse number 11, what we all want to read and quote and get to. But the Bible says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end verse number 10 he talks about how he will visit them how he per- will perform his good word towards them and causing you to return to this place but he says an expected end i don't have the time to delve into this but i want to take just 30 seconds to give you the snippet you can go and look for it yourself okay the word expected end there is actually the hebrew word cord In fact, one of the only other times that you'll see it show up in your Bible is in is in the story of Rahab when she hangs the cord out the window. What color was the cord? Scarlet, crimson, red, burgundy. All right, there's like 30 different answers there. All right, maybe an off-white mauve or something. All right. Um, What was that a picture of? It's a picture of Christ, wasn't it? It It's a picture of salvation. Rahab, because of the scarlet cord, or the thousand other colors that we just joked about, Okay, because of that cord, she, the, the warriors and the soldiers and the people of God knew who to save. It was a type of Christ. and that, It's interesting to me that that word expected end, that is translated two words in our English language, is the same word as cord. So here's what I want you to just think with me for for just a second. We assume that the will of God always means that there's not going to be any pain or heartache or difficulty. Don't we? And yet the cord signified that one of these days Jesus would die. Unfortunately, the will of God for the life of Christ involved a lot of suffering and pain. And yet, there was a great impact with it as well. And sometimes we look at verse number 11 and we talk about, Oh, God's going to give you an expected end. And we assume that that means Teslas and Lamborghinis and big mansions, right? Like, God's going to give you an expected end. And so we go home and we make a Christmas list for God. Like, well, Santa Claus can't give it to me, so maybe God will give it to me, right? That's not what the expected end is at all. The expected end is that God is still going to work even through some of your suffering. The expected end is that when you get to the end of your life or maybe even one day heaven, that you can look back and all of a sudden you can say, "Ah." on the junior high fall retreat, I gave this basically this illustration, uh, this thought, it's not an illustration, but that I've never, I've been around a lot of people who've passed away. Seems like here lately it's been a lot more, okay? Been around a lot of funerals. Been going to funerals since I was a little kid and didn't know what a funeral was, okay? I just remember that I hated when my parents took me to the stinky white place is what I always called it, all right? When I was a little kid. Growing up in a pastor's home, you you were around a lot of people. And you know what I've seen? The older that I've got, I've kind of tried to make some mental notes. I've seen a lot of people who have died after living a full and happy life in the will of God. And I've never seen any of them regret it. In fact, I've seen a lot of family members get right at a funeral because they've looked at their parent or their grandparent's life and they've thought, you know what? I want what they had. They had 70, 80, 60 years, 50 years sometimes if they die young. They had this great life where they followed the will of God, and I want that. There's never been anyone who's lived in the will of God that on their deathbed said, I wish I could go back and do it my way. And yet so many times we wake up and we live day to day in my will rather than in thy will. And then we wonder why at the end of our lives we're left unsatisfied, we're left displeased, maybe even not at the end of our lives. We're At the end of the day, we get to the end and it just feels like, what did I do today? But it's because we live so much of our lives trying to please ourselves rather than trying to please God and live in His will, that there's no way that we're going to experience the satisfaction and the purpose and the expected end from our will rather than doing God's will. And So here's my goal today. It's very simple. My goal is to give you this picture, this almost, for lack of a better term, we joked about as seen on TV. This is an infomercial for God, Okay. But it's not a God that you're going to get and you're going to think, man, I wish I would not have done those three payments of 1997. In fact, it's something that you're going to get when you look back on it and you think, wow, it's actually better than what someone described. Following and knowing God and trusting his will and trusting Him and who He is to do what is best for me because He's a God of plans, because He's a God of peace, because He's a God of perfection. Man, that was better than what I thought. I'd rather face cancer with a God of peace and a God of plans and a God of perfection than face it without that. I'd rather face some death and maybe some situations in my life with the God of plans and peace and perfection than without it. And if I can get you to buy into who God is, then here's why I know. You'll have no problem buying into his will. Because if you can trust the God of the will, you can trust the will of God. And sometimes what we fail to understand is when we doubt who God is, we also have a tendency to doubt what he is doing and that if he has what is best for us in the mind. And so with every head bowed and every head closed, we'll pray and we'll be done. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.